In the last few months alone, Amazon, Meta and Salesforce announced that they were going to begin the process of flattening their organizations. That they were going to have fewer and fewer hierarchies in their organizations. Fewer hierarchies means fewer managers. Middle and senior managers in engineering at Meta were asked to start doing things. Coding, designing, whatever. Managing people itself was no longer going to be a role. This is being spurred on by the present economic moment. But it's also part of a larger pattern of businesses trying to become less and less reliant on managers. A research paper at Wharton showed that it wasn't the lowest rung of workers, but managers and people in supervisory roles who were losing jobs to AI. The Ken reported as early as in 2019 that Infosys and Cognizant were laying off middle managers that they believed were unnecessary. The pattern here appears to be that in tough economic times, in times where efficiency becomes paramount, businesses are rethinking their need for managers and deciding that they don't need that many because managers are expensive. And then you need managers to manage managers and people to manage paying those managers and looking after those managers and hiring those managers. And if you have self-motivated, ambitious, disciplined, lower-level employees, why do you need managers to manage them? Are we not capable of self-management? Why would you layer on unnecessary bureaucracy that only slows a business down? I spoke to three experts about this. Two professors of organizational behavior at XLRI, and then I spoke to a founder who is very passionate about these specific questions and has thought about them for many years. I was expecting to hear back from them that this, what Amazon and Meta are doing, is in fact the way forward. That we do tend to hire too many managers, businesses are rightfully re-looking at their relationship with managers, and that a flatter business with fewer managers is the business of the future. But that's not what I heard. What I heard, in fact, was that hierarchies and layering is essential to a business based on its complexity. A more complex business will always need more managers. And the reason that we are undermining the role of managers in this present moment isn't because we need them less and less. It's because all the managers around us are just so bad. I'm Sneha Vakharia, your host of Costa Company, the Ken's weekly podcast about work and workplaces. In this episode, we explored the ways in which Amazon and Meta and Infosys and Cognizant are wrong. We don't need fewer managers, we need better managers. begin with the literal textbook answers for which we have Manish Singhal, Professor of Organizational Behavior at XLRI. And uh, so Manish, I'm going to open with, if I am building a business and I have in this hypothetical world, okay, I've created like an algorithm that is that can predict with a lot of accuracy whether, you know, a, a candidate for a job application is motivated, ambitious, um, highly intelligent, highly skilled, uh, and disciplined, and all of these things. So all of these I figured out how to filter out for. Mm. Then, and I'm building an organization. Do I need managers? 
okay in this okay. world okay uh what what we'll need to look at so there is this course that we teach here which is organization structure design etc and a textbook that we use for that starts off with the illustration that there could be a mom and pop store kirana store hote na hamare yahan pe gali gali mein jo rehte okay so those kind of stores that you have which are probably run by the family they want to expand their business they will probably try to open other branches okay mm. If they have branches, if they have branches, and they and and if all of them are working under the same brand, they would want to give a consistent quality to their customers. Hmm. Hmm. So that a singles in here is similar to a singles in which is running, let us say, in Bokaro or Dhanbad, right? Hmm. Hmm. And therefore, now what do I need? I cannot merely depend upon the motivation and the inspiration of the individual workers there. I'll need to find someone who will be able to coordinate all of their actions and activities to make it a single whole. Okay, and therefore, how do their efforts come together? What is the coordination piece there? If there is a particular uh, escalation which comes up, if there's an escalation comes up, will my algorithms be enough to take care of all varieties of this? right even if i use predictive analytics etc and i've sorted where is all of the data coming from and if you look at if you look at empathy can you really expect an uh, a robot to be to be empathetic towards that what is that connection that you need and therefore the first thing that i was saying was about a focus upon the task which needs to be coordinated for which you need a manager second is that i'm talking about the people in the relationship part for which you do not really have an escape other than having that human touch at its most elemental you need a manager to provide a human engagement when a situation demands it you need a manager to ensure a consistency of a service and product across individual makers you need a manager to handle the unexpected escalation you need a manager to manage people and coordinate tasks there's this idea that we talk about in running business and running business organizations which is called differentiation okay differentiation differentiation so differentiation could be according to the function that you are managing differentiation could be according to the clientele that you have differentiation could be according to the regions that you are serving now the idea is that the greater the differentiation the greater has to be the integration to make it all function together okay so the point is that any which organization which is not complex enough yet may perhaps survive without an integrating mechanism called the management and therefore you could you could probably go your own way and because i probably have an understanding between these people who are working together i do not really need a coordinating mechanism but as soon as this becomes larger and probably the views of all of these people do not match or all of them have their own personal interest so the idea is how who takes the call for the organization the person who takes the call for the organization who tries to coordinate all of these divergent perspectives is the person who will be the manager organizations with greater complexity with different kinds of products and customers will always need more managers and more levels of hierarchy to reconcile these different needs of a complex business tough economic times do not change the complexity of a business businesses will need managers just as well in all economic circumstances So, uh, just to carry that point further, uh, so there is this tech company called Google. All of us kind of rely on their products, and they ran this particular exercise within uh, within their own uh, kind of confines, which was called Project Oxygen. So, Project Oxygen's uh, subtext was: Do managers matter? 
meaning the central question that they started with is that in a company which is built for engineers by engineers which is a family-like culture with strong development orientation, etc., etc. Is there a difference between the top quartile managers and the bottom quartile managers? Okay, so there are ratings that they have that the employees rate their managers, and then they were looking at so there is this team, and there are teams which are performing better, which are performing worse. And the top quartile, there was greater innovation, there was better work-life balance, there was there was career development for all that particular team members, they were happier and they were high performing members. What is it that they find? Managers make a difference. Depending upon the quality of the manager that these teams have, they were able to they were able to kind of produce much more. Okay. Yes. Um. Hmm. So so one measure is so at a micro level, what you're saying is like a manager's job is sort of to to make sure that the direction that the the ship is going in is more or less also aligned with where the occupants, individual or occupants of the ship, want to go. Yes. Okay. Hmm. And, and therefore, there's, there's, there's this particular framework that we use, which is called the DAC framework. Direction, alignment, commitment. Direction. Okay. And therefore, all of us are pulling together in the same direction. Aligned means all the people who are pulling in that particular direction are aligned with that particular direction and their and their own efforts are there. And commitment is that is that is that you're going to pull this through and you're going to continue with that. And that would be the commitment idea. And therefore, how do I manage that? Shiva Kakkar, also a professor of organization behavior at XLRI, is here to give his perspective. So generally what people will quote is on organization like Zappos, you know, this holacratic system of working. And then uh, there was, you know, Blinkist, the reading app that you initially used to have this sort of, you know, bossless structure. Uh, you have Wolf. Uh, which is a gaming company, you know, Steam, and the, the uh, game, uh, you know, sort of, you know, company which made Half-Life and all these games. They claim that they have a bossless organization. If you look closely, nothing is really bossless. In fact, what happens is, basically, there is no middle-level management or middle-level manager. There are there is a lack of operational managers, but the power tends to get extremely centralized. So the CEO mm-hmm. say is the mm-hmm. ultimate say, and it gets enforced like anything, right? Mm-hmm. So there is no room for you to make a lot of disagreement. In fact, you know, Zappos, which is like the poster child of, and it happens to be one of the first companies which I teach in my course. It's a poster child of this manager-less company. And the day they implemented this system that, you know, self-managing organization without any middle managers, uh, the CEO of Zappos said that, you know, I can, uh, I will ask people who do not want to self-manage themselves to quit okay, the organization because I understand that this is not meant for everyone. Take a guess how many people quit? Very few. 38% alone from the tech oh, team. Wow. Tech team. These are people who crave autonomy. <laughs> right? So they quit. Okay. So people might think that it's a very desirable idea of you know not to have managers and all these things. Actually, it does not work out. That ways. And history has shown us that hierarchical systems work much better than not because uh, when you talk about uh, freedom, a lot of autonomy, what also comes with this lack of direction. There is no one over your shoulder to tell what to do. 
Buffer in the US had tried the self-management model in 2014, but reverted back to the hierarchical structure of business a year later. They found that if you don't impose a hierarchy, a different and sometimes undesirable hierarchy can take its place. In fact, our assumption is that business is always struggling. Right? There's continuous change. That is why you see so much of you know agile development, scrum and all those things. Right. The basic assumption, underlying assumption is continuous change. Right. And in that continuous change, to reorient yourself continuously, you require people who are competent, who understand that change. What is happening inside the market? What is happening? You know, if a customer says something and suddenly the requirement has changed, there needs to be that, you know, glue that, you know, binds people together and directs them in order to change successfully. And there has to be someone who can actually provide a framework to other people on how to execute it. Right. So the basic qualification of a manager, the most vital part of a middle manager is telling people how to do and giving them a mental or thinking framework that this is how we operate. This is how the company operates. This is how you need to operate in order to achieve this task. If you are someone who cannot give a framework, then you don't really have a good manager. In many ways, the things we've discussed so far are pretty conventional. We need managers to help maintain consistency across products and services, to act as buffers to a world that changes constantly, to give mentorship, to make decisions around people and tasks and resources. So then if we need managers so much, why do we think that we don't need them? Why do managers feel so redundant to us? When was the last time that you stood in queue to buy a movie ticket? I mean, who does that anymore, right? It's too big a risk to take. Especially if it is a movie that everybody has been looking forward to. And why would we? When we have the option to skip the queue altogether. It even lets you buy popcorn and nachos and whatever else you like in advance. So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that the platform has now become synonymous with watching movies. But what if I told you that over time, it might not be the same book my show that you have known all these years. If it were a person, imagine them going through a makeover after which you're never able to look at them the same way. You see, Book My Show, since its birth in 1998, has been through some pretty rough patches. But the pandemic was quite the knockout punch. Revenues dried up, widespread layoffs. Somehow though, the platform managed to survive. And not just survive, it actually started on a path to recovery. And now, the leadership wants to use this as an opportunity to diversify. They want it to be more than just a movie ticketing platform. They think that live events is where the money is at. But live events are historically known to be money guzzlers, loss makers. Can Book My Show turn that around? Tune into the latest episode of my podcast, Daybreak, to find out. You will find it on Apple, Spotify and all other podcast platforms. I am Snigdha, by the way, from the Ken's podcast team. Thank you for listening to me. And now back to the show. Manish from XLRI thinks that the reason we think managers are expendable is because we don't really understand the softer aspects of business building. What really makes a business run? So mergers and acquisitions, research suggests, 60 to 70% of mergers and acquisitions fail. Why? Because they have done the due diligence as far as the strategy is concerned, as far as the, as far as the product is concerned and all that, that I make good product, you have access to the market and therefore let the two of you get married. 
Okay, but the point is that the culture of one organization versus the other may not really be supportive of each other. They could be working at cross purposes. And therefore, many a point of time, the organizations feel that if we take care of only the strategy or the finance or operations, that will help us succeed. Unfortunately, evidence proved that it is not really true. The softest parts of our business, and yet the most crucial ones, often go unseen, unacknowledged. In all areas of business, we tend to undervalue the things that are invisible and unmeasurable. This happens in our homes and lives as well. Um, and this is one clear reason we tend to undervalue the role of a manager. To talk to us about other ways in which we think about managers all wrong, we have Sidhu Panappa, former MD of Gojek India, now founding an AI-based startup of his own. Sidhu spent much of his early career rallying against managers. And uh, I should qualify that I my I'm coming from a place where uh, 15 years ago I was like managers are the scum of the earth. They're just like a waste of time. Zero managers. The problem is managers, leaders. I hated the word leaders. I've literally gone into meetings and I'm embarrassed to admit this. Where I'm like, why are you talking about a leader? Like, you know, do you really need a leader? Like, come on. Like, you're all super smart. Like, are you followers? You're not followers. You know what to do. And it turned out that uh, human beings have evolved in a certain structure for a few hundred thousand years in which group activities towards goals are carried out a certain way. And this seems to be baked in at a hardware level into how we operate. And you need someone to lead you. Pinning a business by laying off managers doesn't work because humans desire the mentorship of other humans. Our problem is bad bad managers, not because they're bad people, but because they just haven't been trained. They don't have... I mean, it's a very simple test. No, just ask, uh, take a sample among a set of managers and ask them how many of you have explicit, consistent mentoring on, man- on your area of management. Not ad hoc, random, gyan sessions at the water cooler from rando person, right? But consistent, weekly, fortnightly cadences, with someone who is two, three, four years ahead of you with a very structured, it's education. So most of our managers barely receive any training at being managers. Should it be this surprising then that they don't make for very good managers? How do you decide who should be a manager at which layer? Because a very good manager at one level may not be a very good manager at the next level of abstraction because the job is different. What you focus on and and what is important and why you are there fundamentally changes. How most managers are chosen is that the best performer at a particular level is picked to to do the thing that the level above requires, with no real thought about the skills needed at that different level. So if a VP is tasked with getting work out of his directors, but an SVP is tasked with getting work out of the C-suite, and the C-suite is tasked with getting funding and dealing with the board, then it's odd to think that because someone is good as a VP, they'll make a good SVP, or that if someone's good as an SVP, they'll make a good CXO. And I think um, the requisite perspective from the decision maker as well as the relevant training is missing. I mean, it's it's uh, appalling now in hindsight, but we just assumed tech leads to pick an example of a line management role, right? Where a developer scales up one level to become the first sort of line management role, a tech lead, which is somebody who knows how to manage engineers, but also writes code themselves. We realized that uh, it is actually non-obvious for someone 
uh, as to what they need to do when they become a tech lead and that there is this serious gap of a training program to uh, help them navigate that. Uh, because if you don't, you start having horrible situations like they go into their first performance review and then they just botch everything and it just gets bad. And not because they're bad people, but because, you know what, it takes training to know that when you sit down across uh, from somebody in a performance review, there is a certain way that you have to approach it. Without training the person to solve an entirely different set of problems, we operate as if the technical skills of the previous level are sufficient. This is a core problem with how we pick managers across industries. There's a jokey version of this in the blogosphere. It's called the Peter Principle. The Peter Principle says that eventually everyone rises to their level of incompetence. Eventually everyone gets to a position where they suck at what they do. This is of course an illogical idea and we are all terrible at many things we will eventually try. But it does capture that a person who is good at one thing is not necessarily going to be good at the more complicated version of that problem. Shiva Kakkar from XLRI tells us of a totally different problem altogether, a self-selection problem. But you will find that actually a large majority of people are not power hungry. So very small minority of people that is very, very power hungry. And they do things to gain power. It's not that other people are incapable to do that. They just don't want to do that. Right. So that is one of the reasons that all these, you know, what we call as people who have slightly narcissistic and psychopathic traits, they reach to positions of power. That is absolutely correct. And there's a lot of research also which shows this, that people who actively choose to pursue power, get power. A lot of people who rise to the position of managers do it by elbowing out other people who may have been better at serving their colleagues. This is a suboptimal nature of the universe in a way. And sometimes it's not even about whether a person is good to be a manager in that specific role. It's whether a person is fit to be a manager in that specific role, in that specific company culture. Many times people are actually good at doing their stuff, but attitudinally they don't really match the organization. So I've seen organizations which profit that, you know, where humility is like seen as a good thing, that you need to be humble and don't really, you know, um, aggressively question people or, you know, put down their point. There would be good performers inside the organization who are absolutely fantastic at doing everything, but they are not humble. And that costs them the position. Because a, a person who is attitudinally a better fit would get recruited. It can be the other way also. This is all to say that we need good managers terribly. But we are getting disillusioned with managers at large because we are not doing a good job of choosing them well of giving them the resources they need to become better managers because we don't think deeply enough about what a specific managerial role requires in a specific context and culture and also because these positions tend to attract the more self-serving among us so how do we fix this how do we make our managers more relevant more useful and more capable in these more exacting economic times this is my real test of a manager is whatever field you're being hired for, have you read the relevant textbooks? And the answer usually is no. Sidhu Panappa has thought deeply about how he chooses his managers. And I think for me, it starts with, um, uh, do they study? This has become the simple filter for me. Do you study? Explain to me how you study. And if the answer is, 
oh, you know, I browse social media and read random blog posts. Um, that's already a red flag there, right? Uh, there are people who do exceptionally well on top of that. But then the next question is, okay, uh, how do you sort of extract and sort of uh, apply those learnings and talk to me about like the top three or top four learnings, their application and the consequences in the last couple of quarters. And very quickly, you sort of filter out like 95% of uh, candidates on top of just these questions. Uh, the textbook one uh, is another one, right? Like name three textbooks that you swear by that shape your practical applied management. And if you can't name two or three textbooks, then, I mean, you're just uh, seat of pantsing it. In a sense, Sidhu is filtering out those who take the task of management, the role of the manager and the work of managing seriously, even above the technical and operational skills. Are you studying and improving in your managerial skills? This indicates that the manager or prospective manager understands that there are consequences to choices they make on real people and that those choices need to be studied and deliberative. We'll hear a little more from Shiva at XLRI. How does an organization or how do you reconcile the need for hierarchy with the fact that at different levels of the hierarchy, you need completely different skills? Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile these two things? Uh, um, so that is where you know, we often talk about learning organizations and upskilling people and all these things which comes into play. It is basically building a succession line for every position, not just, I mean, succession is not an issue of the CEO alone. The idea should be the organization has to take upon itself to expose people to those circumstances. So if someone is a VP and it require, uh, say, the SVP's skill set is substantially different from what a VP might be doing, it is up to the organization to give the opportunity to expose that vice president to that role or some facets of that role, some the more core aspects of that role, and see how they perform, right? And that is how you will able, be able to do that. The second way of doing it is basically when you do base banding or you delayer the organization. So you might remove, so generally say at one point of time, Unilever had like 37 sort of you know levels in hierarchy. And in 2014, they had a digital transformation sort of initiative and they reduced the hierarchy quite a bit. So what you do is like you take out aspects of that SVP and put some of those elements into the core job. Because, you know, ideally, when you say that your vice president and senior vice president have completely two different skill sets, even though they are in the same function, that is a problematic structure. Ideally, it should not be there. There has to be some amount of overlap, right? Maybe some additional responsibilities which come at the SVP level, but there has to be some amount of overlap. If that overlap is not there, you are not really having a very, very, you know, a functional hierarchy, you are having a dysfunctional hierarchy, there is somewhere a break. Either you require a new middle line there, okay, or the distribution of work is not proper between the rooms. So, what you are talking about is a sort of blurring of the hierarchy. Having a hierarchy, but having a, a blurring of the tasks, the responsibilities. There is a permeability inside hierarchy, which has to be there, right? So, uh, definitely, you know, you cannot have two positions mutually exclusive of each other within the same function. Right. With hierarchy, you develop more finer and greater expertise over the skills. Right. Doesn't mean that, you know, 
two positions have to be completely sort of you know disjointed from each other it should not happen ideally okay i can understand if it's say the cfo and the chro at a lateral level there could be significant uh, you know non overlap of skills but doesn't happen vertically so making sure the functions and skills required between levels are more permeable that if the roles are cut they're cut so that at every level you have some skills of the person above and some skills of the person below people at different levels of the same function should have skills that bleed into each others that's how a business should be organized and then those managers should be trained i have actually you know worked uh, as a consultant for one of the companies which was having this issue so what was happening was they had these coders and they had team leads and suddenly the company you know uh, it's a my it became a microsoft preferred partner and you know their revenues really jumped they started getting new clients so they expanded a lot of you know they had a lot of people now previously when you know, you had one team lead and like two people working with him or her there was not a lot of you know sort of this uh, feeling of hierarchy that you know i am at the top and these two are at the bottom but when you have like 10 people under you first of all you have to understand i mean like you even incorporate that you now have 10 people and you are supposed to guide them now what was happening in this organization was the moment a coder flummoxed or was not able to do anything the team lead would say chal baju hat i'll do it that is not the role of the team lead right because in the longer term the lead started getting saddled with coders who would come around cry like babies that they are not able to do and the team lead would get down the training itself can seem like it's not rocket science it's fairly intuitive but that's precisely why it gets lost between the cracks that's why we forget how much we need it mentorship can also is a very very structured process right there are certain uh, tips and tricks that you can learn in order to become a good mentor right hear out people how to motivate them uh, how to tell them you know when should they come back and tell you that there is a problem right when should when is a mentor needs to teach the mentee that what is that point at which you say all my resources have been exhausted i am unable to you know overcome the problem you have to teach these things so we basically told them this and they sort of you know started focusing more on this aspect gradually that habit went away and they also had to teach all these team leads that please do not go every time and start solving the problems for others right you are answerable for whatever the deliverables are but at the end of the day it is up to this person who are you know he or she and how they deliver secondly technology now is a big help you know you have all these dashboards and everything where you know any kind of tech lead can actually track who so whoever is doing what and all these things but what is also required is say when you are setting targets or user stories and all these things a good discussion between the mentor and the mentee on how to execute and what is expected time frame of executing right these are softer aspects some people are naturally good at doing it do but some people are not because they have been like into this they they just cannot get out from that employee mindset into an employer mindset a manager essentially needs to have some amount of employer mindset and then these are people who are working for me right the task of management is non trivial it requires deep training and thinking and the one way in which we set ourselves up to fail is by hiring the most competent person at one skill to do a managerial task that is entirely different 
and what businesses are doing this layoff season the thinning of organizations the thinking of middle managers is redundant bureaucracy it may come back to bite the organizations that choose it maybe people will leave because they will go days without mentorship or true human engagement maybe the highest levels of leadership will get resentful about the amount of mentoring they now have to do maybe no one will take initiative over things that they are not specifically responsible for and leadership will begin to wonder why important work is slipping through the cracks maybe the product and service will become inconsistent because people do not learn well from documents as well as they do from each other maybe the tasks and skills of people working in a same function will become disjointed and will have so little overlap that no one will be there to meaningfully help another maybe the ability of different functions to work together will be strained because nobody is able to reconcile different interests for many at amazon and meta this is a future that awaits this episode of costa company was written hosted and produced by sneha vakharia with audio engineering by rajiv cn if you have thoughts feelings or episode ideas write to us at podcast@ at the hyphen ken dot com